0: For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash Thrive.
2: That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash Thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. Our guest today is Sloan Barber. He is founder and CEO at Engine. We're going to talk to him about the work they're doing in cannabis around talent, uh, this is a fascinating part of cannabis, um, just the demand in the market for talent really at all levels uh, and kind of the challenges people are facing, the solutions people are coming up with, um, the folks coming into the cannabis space, uh, kind of pivoting from other industries. Uh, it's really been a really uh, challenging but also innovative uh, part of the cannabis industry. And it's—and I think it's the part that's it's really going to define how well we grow, how well we evolve, and this is how we can kind of really tackle these talent challenges, uh, whether it's, you know, just raw finding uh, people to fill the roles or other kind of creative strategies of making sure we're optimizing talent, finding talent, engaging talent, developing talent inside our company. So interesting part of the space. I'm excited for this conversation with Sloan. We have similar backgrounds in kind of tech and and looking at some of these other industries and then coming into cannabis and sort of seeing what applies, what doesn't apply. And it's always fascinating to Uh, Hear people's experiences that uh, have kind of similar backgrounds. So, with that, Sloan, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, Bruce. Great to be on. Yeah, pleasure as always. Um, So, uh, let's do a little bit of kind of background, uh, hear a little bit about your story and and, uh, kind of how you got into cannabis and then what you've been kind of experiencing cannabis and then what your kind of latest uh, kind of effort is and and how you're really kind of seeing the talent problem in cannabis. and, And we can talk
3: about some of the efforts there. But give us the backstory. Absolutely. Well, Appreciate you having me on Uh, again. I think you laid out the sort of challenge and also the opportunity with talent in cannabis and the entire ecosystem. And, you know, I come to this industry with over a decade of experience in talent HR technology uh, recruiting outside of cannabis. Um, yeah. you know, I started my career in in Chicago in in the tech scene in two thousand and five. and you know it was a classic tech recruiting firm. Um, this is when they were really becoming popular as technology proliferated, and there was a sort of computer on every desk, both in home and in the office. And, uh, you know, placing Java and COBOL developers at banks and the like, but it was, you know, 100 dials a day, very much an old school bullpen. And I actually stayed with that company for about a decade and moving around the country to Los Angeles and eventually settled here in New York, in the city where I've been for the last 11 years and what i what i loved about that business was it was really truly about just making connections building relationships and then supporting people you know and helping them navigate a at the time you know for example in new york in 2010 2011 it really was just a coming-of-age tale for the tech industry um silicon valley san francisco had obviously dominated that i spent some time working out there came to new york and You could see the excitement in the community as it was um, being developed, right? There was Foursquare and Tumblr and a handful of other companies, DoubleClick, that were just launching. But this is prior to Google or Facebook or Twitter. Any of these companies have any offices in New York. You know, New York wasn't a tech hub until it was. And... After, you know, oh gosh, 12, 13 years in the tech industry, uh, both as a recruiter, eventually a a director at a recruiting company, and then the VP of sales for a technology company called Hired, which was a software platform that matched candidates um, and sort of automated a lot of the recruiting, I kind of had enough of the tech industry in the traditional sense, simply because I felt like a lot of the the really greenfield opportunities and the entrepreneurship and the sort of quote unquote American dream that, you know, you saw um, a lot of wealth created uh, and, and widely distributed early on in the industry. It mm-hmm. became concentrated, of course, in the hands of, you know, five or six companies that I yeah. think we all, we all know their names. Yep. So this was like 2018, 2019. You know, I, I left that industry, took some time off, had myself a walkabout in Yosemite. And I ended up at Hall of Flowers in Santa Rosa afterwards, you know, driving up to see a friend of mine, Dave Belsky, who Mm -hmm. was CEO and founder of Flower Hire. And uh, when I went to Hall of Flowers, which was my first true cannabis event, I was blown away and just completely impressed both by the production of the event, by the people I met and by the Hundreds of brands that I was exposed to that truly felt like I was at a CPG trade show. Yeah, and I had a, a dinner with Dave and met some of the the early flower hire team, and basically we hashed a plan. He said, "Look, you're in New York. It's going east. The Midwest is going to unlock, and we saw Michigan and Illinois coming online really strongly." Massachusetts had laid down some roots in the East Coast. And obviously, you know, since 2019, that state, along with Michigan, Illinois, and several other states in, uh, in the East Coast and the Midwest have been top performers in the industry. And of course, now New York, Connecticut, New Jersey, likely Pennsylvania at some point soon are all adult use and will be operationalizing over the next several years. And I joined at that point as chief revenue officer of Flower Hire in, in 2019, and the aim there was to build a brand and to build a network that was a national almost mso that wasn't plant touching right so yeah. but a lot of the strategy was the same you know i took what i learned from the tech industry as a as a service provider and really what we did previously was we did a lot of community events we did it city by city state by state And we sort of did the same thing in cannabis, which I found was actually even more important in this industry, because it's not just a regional thing or a state thing. It's a community thing. Right. With the plant and with these companies, especially early on, you know, in the medical operators and a lot of the advocacy that's been going on for several decades, which we owe, you know, a a nod of gratitude for for getting us to this point. Um, And we're still in the first inning. So, you know, flower hires business you know, as chief revenue officer, I was focused on brand sales leadership, building out, you know, sort of a network within multiple different states. And I got a sort of 30,000 foot view of the industry. And the core flower hire business is really executive search and senior level recruiting. Think six figure cannabis jobs, high touch, you know, sort of very human oriented and and, and by design, because it's very nuanced when you're transitioning people in from, say, the tech industry, from traditional CPG, from food service, sure. from alcohol, yeah. you find those transferable skills. And if they're a director, a VP, or a C-level person, there's a lot of conversation that needs to happen that can't be you know, automated away, right? It, it, you really have to be an advocate for both the company, for the industry writ large, and then, of course, for the candidates that are looking to come in, you have to educate your customers and the broader community on exactly what expectations are and how this industry can recruit top talent both from within, you know, the medical market, the traditional markets, uh, as well as from the non-cannabis, non-plant touching industries that are adjacent, like CPG and, you know, other sort of large physical goods manufacturers, which is really the closest analog. It's it's actually quite difficult to place like a traditional tech person that doesn't have any sort of CPG experience into the industry because it's so reliant in any plant touching companies on understanding how to bring a physical good to market. Yeah. So you, you see this whole thing from a bird's eye view. And, you know, after 18 months or so, you know, at Flower Hire and helping scale that team to, you know, over 20 people and you know, seven, 800 or so placements uh, that that team has done, we would really recognized there's a bigger problem that's actually at play here. And it's, it's a much more complex sort of decades-long challenge with what I call the talent chain. You hear a lot about the supply chain in the industry or, you know, you hear a lot about capital markets. And of course, those are very important legs of the stool. But the mm-hmm. third leg... And I think the leg that's most underserved in terms of, you know, investment in both the industry and, and, and within specific companies is talents, people. Yeah. We're just so early. We're in the first inning of this industry. And so all these brands, all these companies, they're going to turn over. The brands are going to change. There's going to be so much disruption over the next decade. But what's going to remain the same, hopefully, as far as I've seen, people, once they join the industry, they generally 90% of the time want to stay. Mm -hmm. right? So you're really building the foundation of who's going to lead this industry. And that's such a huge opportunity, but it also presents a very big logistical challenge. And so with that, with that learning, we launched engine and, um, we launched engine with my partner and co-founder Valerie. Valerie is a, PhD in computer science and math. She's got, you know, extensive experience in startups, a decade of HR technology and education technology experience. And, you know, she joined me to tackle the problem at scale of hiring really the the biggest part of this industry, which is the hourly workforce. About 90% of workers in cannabis are, you know, hourly workers. And they're critical roles, bud tenders, you know, who talk to the customer, basically the only person that uh, non-cannabis consumer that that just comes into the store that doesn't know a lot about the plant their way to get educated and understand brands the industry the plant medicine is the tender.
1: yeah no
2: no I was just, I was just curious like how um I guess wh- where have people found those solutions to date right like because I you know this industry is so new and has been growing so fast that it's You know, it's got to be coming from somewhere. (laughs) Where where have you found people coming from to kind of fill this level of role in the cannabis industry?
3: So that's that's exactly what we've been trying to uncover. So we launched engine with the aim of how do you build a software platform that can identify the appropriate candidates at scale and focus on transferable skills and helping guide people to the to the role yeah. that best fits them within the industry. Yeah. And so you can certainly find say in California or Colorado, some of these more developed mature states, you can certainly find if you're a cannabis company, people that have cannabis experience, right? Maybe they've been a tender at another spot down the street, you know, mm-hmm. maybe they've worked in cultivation, but if you look at the vast majority of the growth of the industry, it's going to be in states that have no legal cannabis. Yeah. Previously, or very small medical markets like New York, yeah. and New York's going to employ fifty thousand people. So you find those people in the same way that people have been <laughs> finding candidates forever, like po- putting stuff on Craigslist and Indeed and sifting through thousands of resumes and hoping that the people that they hire out of a retail job or a hospitality job or a restaurant worker, you know, understand and, and can can do the work in cannabis, which is often very very different. And and it's not exactly as romantic as I think people yeah, hope that exactly. it is. Yeah. And so you you end up with a massive churn in the industry. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the numbers, but for, you know, your average frontline worker, it's about twice the turnover of what you'd see in a traditional industry and yeah. about 60% of people that join leave within their first 3 months. And that's a that's just that's a brutal. hugely inefficient. Yeah. Not good for culture it sort of doesn't set the right example for the industry that we're trying to build when you're just churning out people, they're unhappy, they're writing bad reviews, they have a bad taste in their mouth, they may never want to come back to the industry. Yeah. You know? and, and, whereas otherwise, maybe a few tweaks with onboarding, with matching them with the right job, with making sure that the team is empowered and they are empowered with education, all those things are part of the infrastructure that for the most part doesn't exist really at all and certainly not at scale.
2: Yeah. Well, and you're you're bringing up something there, which I'm fascinated by, which is how much of this is finding people that can kind of hit the ground running because they've got these highly transferable skills and, and they can kind of pick up these roles versus how much of this is finding people who have kind of raw talent, aptitude, you know, the rough clay that I could mold into great people, but I just need to kind of put them through training and, you know, get them educated on the cannabis world. What is the focus or where do you
3: see the opportunities? So that's, I think, a very great question. And you have to look at the macro in order to really define and understand what that shakes out. Because again, yeah. this is a decade-long really building of, of a foundational talent ecosystem. And right now, there's about three hundred fifty four hundred thousand 400,000 people that work in the industry, Okay, which is a lot. I mean, keep in mind, there's 200,000 dentists, You know, and there's more cannabis workers than there are electrical engineers and web developers and several other mainstream sort of like careers. So 400,000 people is a solid industry, but it's going to grow to a million by the end of the decade. So it's going to more than double. It's growing about 27, 28% year over year in terms of employment growth, including during the pandemic, which is basically blows every other industry out of the water. Green technology, sustainable energy grows about 12, 13%. So when you think about that, the math is simple. Like Okay, there's 300,000, 400,000 people that work in the industry today. And there needs to be a million. So we're minimally going to have to train 700,000 people. Yeah. And that assumes that all 300,000 of those people stay in the industry. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> really, pretty much every person who enters the industry is going to come from outside of it. Yeah. And so you have to focus on transferable skills. You have to focus on a objective, equitable, unbiased uh, hiring platform mm-hmm. that is compliant with local state, and eventually federal regulation. And when you look at that sort of ecosystem and challenge and opportunity, you see a state like New York, there is a mandate in the regs, and they're obviously still writing some of the more specific rules, but the law itself Is going to mandate a certain percentage of hiring from say certain zip codes. This is also happening in Oakland and LA and Long Beach. And you know, to rectify and help repair as much as, as possible the damage from the war on drugs on specifically communities of color, right, across the country. And New York is probably the most progressive bill in that respect. So when you look at being an operator in the space that is unprecedented. There's almost no industries that require you to hire and then audit a certain zip code, right? And so all of these things sort of compound into what is the big challenge, which is how do you effectively reach, then engage, and then really connect and match with the appropriate either job, isn't a job available, to education and workforce development, and then if that's not available to advocacy, so that these communities can actually understand what this means as an economic opportunity and then advocate to their local legislators to allow cannabis activity or to provide these services. And yep. that entire chain is is basically in these new states, especially, and even in developed states, is really only just beginning. So. This is kind of the macro challenge, and then, of course, you have to get into the day-to-day of how do you actually mobilize a million-person workforce essentially from a dead stop over a decade in a federally illegal industry that's completely stratified on a state-by-state basis where most of the people are not going to be able to work remotely because they're dealing with a physical good. (laughs) It's it's an enormous uh, challenge, as as you can tell.
2: We're going to take a quick break to hear some words from our sponsors. And now back to our program. Well, and how, so how have you, or I guess, what's your strategy for kind of slicing up this problem a little bit? And and, and where do you start? Where do you evolve? Because it, it's clear, like, there's going to be some pretty significant needs in not too distant future, but in the future. But they're not all there now. Right. So, like, how do you deal with like a market like New York, where you know that this is like within, you know, two, three years here, there's going to be a, a huge demand for folks. But it's not right the second, right? And so what do you do to kind of lay the groundwork? What do you do to kind of build out resources, capacity, so that when that demand hits, that you are you can hit the ground running? What What's been your strategy?
3: It's a great question. And, you know, having worked in the industry for the last several years and, you know, having initially worked, you know, at flower hire and sort of been able to develop relationships with, you know, hundreds of companies and thousands of executives throughout the space. In every state, you know, we've done placements in, in 14 legal states, you know, pretty much everywhere, uh, with the exception of Alaska. And every state has its own unique nuances. Mm-hmm. And of course, they're all at different levels of what I would call maturity, which we sort of tier out into the the tier ones, which is like your California and your Colorado and your Washington and Oregon, which are really if you look at it, like just from like growth numbers and, you know, they're sort of just the overall markets, those are, those are like the only States that I would consider to have reached maturity in an adult use. And, and they're not even mature. I mean, just like yeah. quasi maturity, right? They're at some <laughs> yeah, level of crazy of, growth. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Like exactly. And then you have these sort of tier two markets like Michigan, Illinois, Massachusetts, Arizona, and these are big markets. I don't like tier two, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're any lower in in their revenues because you know Arizona is a billion dollar that's market, huge, yeah. Michigan, Illinois is a billion dollar market, and they have very low penetration. When you look at it, they're only a few years in. Arizona's like a year in. It's that's a crazy market. How how quickly that's developed and how robust yeah. the medical program was, and how friendly the the regulations were to you know operators. And then there's of course the tier threes that are like when you look at the tri-state, which you know really. Connecticut, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, New York—that's 75 million people. Okay, but they, but there basically is no legal cannabis activity. But when you look at the underground market, it's 10 to 12 billion dollars in those yeah. states. Yeah. So it's, it's it's bigger than California, right? And New York City alone is a four to five billion dollar prize. You know, when you look at the amount of sort of consumer opportunity there is here, mm-hmm. so you kind of have to take a different approach for each of those categories of state, right? Now, obviously, with Engine, we're building a very robust software product with a team of engineers, you know, product leaders, creative directors uh, that have come that have been in, in true technology, you know, hundred-plus million-dollar technology companies that have approached this in a much larger, you know, marketplace. But that firepower is coming to approach this market in a very similarly sophisticated way. And so, when you look at where like our orientation is, and what I've identified from my relationships through Flower Hire and through that team's constant connection with actual hiring managers, the biggest challenge is how do you very quickly match someone with the appropriate either hard skills, soft skills, location; those three things combined, mm-hmm. get them to the top of the list as quickly as possible, and then get a interview process to happen that is both effective unbiased equitable and fast and then get that person started and onboarded as quickly as possible when you look at California when you look at Colorado what those, those cities that's the focus right because there is an ecosystem of tens of thousands of workers in the space and it really has some level of liquidity and mm-hmm. so these companies are really always looking for the like how they can get their next hire they're starting to build more robust and some of them have done a great job of this but most have not building retention, building education programs, building internal mobility programs, but that's all even in those mature states in its infancy. So really it's just about taking advantage of the liquidity in the marketplace and and trying to find candidates their best fit opportunity at the company that best fits them and then helping the companies very quickly make those connections. There's still a lot more work to do, but that's the biggest opportunity. When you look at strategy in these other markets, you start to see that you know, a market like Michigan, which is also growing incredibly quickly. A lot of the folks that are entering the industry there, a higher percentage of them, over half, are coming from outside of cannabis. They don't have it at all. And so that becomes, leans heavier on training. And we are lucky enough to work with partners like Greenflower, which is the leading training and education platform in the industry. And Max and his team do an incredible job of, of, standardization, certification, online programs, partnering with universities, partnering with community colleges, like it's really becoming prolific. And so there's this workforce development element that sort of is a little bit more of an approach in those states as things develop. And it's also just educating people on what a career in cannabis really means, right? And then in in the new states, the sort of states that will be huge, you're really, it's, it's grassroots elements and it's also a lot of you know discussions with legislature because new york for example will have a hundred million dollars available for workforce development as part of the bill and so it's a huge number right and it's going to be focused of course you know on several things as social equity um sustainability uh you know longevity of these roles really kind of recreating a middle class i mean the, the retail workers union has been very involved yeah, and that's one of the biggest unions in the country in helping to shape this bill because they recognize there's going to be probably 40,000 retail jobs across the state, yep. right? When it's all said and done, so you really, you really, at its core, what we do is we give the the job seekers a space through our platform at CareersInCannabis.com to learn about the industry, to connect with jobs, and to connect with education or advocacy opportunities to make sure that if there isn't jobs in their local area, that they can try to create those jobs through advocacy and through connecting with local constituents and explaining the economic opportunity. So it's a real education approach. In the developed states, really, it's just, hey, these are the best jobs for you. Our software will help get you through this process as quickly and painlessly as possible for both sides. Mm -hmm. So there's a huge advantage to the customer. And the idea is that over time, you develop a highly quantified, robust, and validated marketplace of the cannabis workforce over the course of the next decade and we think that you know a large percentage of the people that get a job in this industry will come through you know our platform and that gives us a lot of insight to help eventually shape things like what are pay standards right what are oh, yeah. the what is the organizational design at a, at a company that optimal look like like you, these are things that don't exist, and so you have major stratification between companies, between states. Director of cultivation on one block gets two hundred thousand dollars, and down the street for the exact same job, same number of lights, essentially the same role, is paid you know one twenty. Why? Because no one talks to each other and knows anything about what should you know what a, the market rate yeah. is.
2: Yeah, it's a, a very illiquid market, right? People exactly. information information is not shared. There's it's inaccessible, so. I, c- I cannot mark to market my compensation levels and and benefits and stuff. I'm curious on the on in terms of the software you're building and how you're actually helping people navigate this process and how you're working with companies to kind of Get the information about the role and the company so that you can do this matching. I mean, it, it feels like there's a couple of different levels. I mean, obviously, there's the skill level. It's like, you know, what is the role and, you know, what levels of skill do you need for things? Then there's this kind of company culture element. Like, is this company a good fit for you? And then there's this whole, at least for these states where you're bringing in lots of folks outside of cannabis, is kind of this, well, are you even going to be successful in cannabis? How do you, what is the process and what's kind of the algorithm or the strategy for figuring out these fit questions and, and you know, how, how maximized do you make these things? or how, how do you really make sure that you're, you're creating opportunities for folks to actually look at jobs and, and for companies you know giving them candidates? So it's not so restrictive that they're not getting any results but, but that the results they're getting are that are really
3: are the best in the market that they should be considering. I mean, that's ultimately an, a great question that we ask ourselves every day um, yeah. on the engine team. And, you know, I have the good fortune of having a partner in Valerie that is, you know, a world-class engineer that has built largely a similar product at a company called Good Co., which was uh, the culture fit app essentially for the tech industry. It was widely used to for teams to understand the personality matches and you know, sort of strengths and weaknesses of, of each individual, so they could build teams that would really work well together and complement each other. She did that for six years, sold that company, it was very successful. And you know, she joined InGen you know, shortly after that. And what her and I determined early on is that soft skills or psychometrics, this sort of culture element, is more important than ever. Right? Mm-hmm. It's fraught with challenges because culture can also be synonymous with a homogenous group, right? You know, culturally, people are similar, you know, maybe they look and they come from similar backgrounds. And of course, so you want to balance what is culture with what we think is more objective, quantified personality and values and strengths, right? And then you can have a more unbiased approach and help guide both the job seeker and the hiring manager, through this process with some objective quantified information. So we do that through a combination of things. First, we, you know, give everyone who, you know, uh, creates a, profile on our platform, a psychometrics quiz, you know, psychometrics and psychographics are uh, very sort of age old, decades old studies on things like Myers-Briggs, Ocean 5. There's many different elements of this, but this is scientifically validated to give some signal as to a person's proclivities, their strengths, where they would fit, you know, within a career path and what would benefit them as a worker and make them literally more satisfied in their job, making them better at it. And retaining them longer and increasing workplace happiness and engagement, right? But how do you identify that in a market where a lot of people don't even know what that there's an inventory manager or an extraction technician? All they really know about most job seekers is like, oh, I guess I could be a bud tender. But there's <laughs> dozens of other jobs that you know they might be a better fit for. So we get that psychometrics information. They complete a hard skills profile where we really focus and orient that towards transferable skills, right? Did you work in agriculture? Did you work in retail? Have you worked in an OSHA compliant lab before? Maybe you have a food handler certificate, right? Are you over twenty one, right? Do you, what, do you have a driver's license? Like all these things are like obviously they seem very basic, but they allow you to build a really multi dimensional picture of someone's strengths and where their biggest opportunity for success lies, and then you give them feedback on all this. Hey, here's you know what we've learned. Here's your strengths. Here's some great jobs that are a good match. Here's some jobs that are a great match, right? And here's sort of why. And then, by the way, if you want to learn more about you know, where, where you can go, here's what the career path for a bud tender looks like. Here's some education and some training on what that looks like. So if you, if you do this, say through our partner Greenflower, the idea is that if you have one of their Greenflower Institute certificates, which are becoming an industry standard for things like bud tender, extraction technician, cultivation associated, well, now widely adopted by definitely dozens of major MSOs. That candidate can go and take and do some take some initiative on their own, get these certifications, learn about this role, determine for themselves whether this is something they want to pursue, and then go on the flip side on the customer side, they're going to see this all the same information. They're going to see the candidates that have applied and expressed interest ranked based on their, you know, fit with the particular job. And some of these things that the candidate can do, like getting education and training, you know, as we start to implement this into the platform, will actually show up to the hiring manager and will put those people towards the top of the list because they're going to have that additional qualification. And some of these, you know, additional badges or certifications that show that they've gone above and beyond and that they truly are a good match. And when we've polled our customers, which we're lucky to have You know, dozens of customers, even at our early stage of development, they've hired through our platform twice as quickly. They've gotten two times as many qualified applicants. And our platform has helped them understand if they get 50, 60 people, who the top 10 or 15 are that they need to talk to. And what we validated is that the people that we give to them towards the top are more interested. They're more likely to show up for an interview. And as of now, you know, six months in, very few of them have left or been or, or been let go compared to through other sources that is more spray and pray where the turnover is much higher because you know when when it's really 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 easy to apply to a job and cut candidates are because it's such a broken system yeah, just job yeah, exactly. applications in general they're applying to hundreds of them yep. you end up with basically 25 percent of people actually showing up to interviews and then of the people you hire only half of them show up to the first day of work that's crazy so all of that really is such, it's so much lost revenue, time, it's expensive. It's between five and $15,000 for a company every time they hire someone, even an hourly worker, which people are like, oh, you've been paying this person 20 bucks an hour. It costs you 4,000, $5,000 to hire that person. They quit in 60 days, it's another five grand. You're yeah. paying 25 grand a year if you have people quitting every two to three months, yeah. just on that one role. So we believe that like this is such a... a A limitation to the growth of profitability within the cannabis space and unlocking this talent chain is one of the biggest levers that we can pull that'll help these companies thrive and be successful and help build a diverse, equitable, and profitable workforce that really helps redefine and redevelop the new middle class. Yeah. Sloan, this has been a pleasure.
2: If people want to find out more about you, more about engine, what's the best way to get that information?
3: Well, you can find me on LinkedIn, Sloan Barber. um, And you can uh, take a look at engine, at engine, E-N-G-I-N, no E at the end, dot fit. And um, shoot me an email. Sloan and engine.fit and uh, would be more than happy to connect.
2: Awesome! I'll make sure all the links are in the show notes so people can get that. I highly encourage everyone to check it out. Exciting stuff that you're doing! I'm I'm excited to see you to um, how this kind of plays in the market, particularly on the East Coast here as things really start to ramp up. So I think it's a it's a sort of game changer in terms of uh, how we deal with talent solutions. So
3: thank you, Bruce. Yeah, we're excited too. You know, it's a it's a it's a new paradigm globally with you know how people are viewing work, especially you know, the hourly and frontline workforce, which is 55% of workers, 80 million Americans fall into that category. And they deserve the tools and the access to an industry like cannabis and other new industries that are coming online. It's a very exciting time. And I think there's an opportunity to really create a, a, a series of new industries that, you know, treat workers with the respect that they're due. And it, mm-hmm. uh, when you do that, as you've seen with, uh, in, industries like automotive. I'm from Detroit. So I always have a soft spot for automotive and a lot of my family work there. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, these were successful companies with large workforces that were well taken care of that had, you know, middle-class lifestyles and it was a glorious time. So I hope cannabis can, uh, can be that next middle-class job creator for America. And we just want to be uh, a part of that and, and do what we can.
2: Amazing. Thanks alone. I appreciate it. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thanks for taking the time today. Thanks so much, Bruce. Pleasure as well. That's it for this episode of Thinking Outside the Bud. Be sure to subscribe using your favorite podcast app so you don't miss our future episodes. See you next time.
1: You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeld. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets and access other great content. Visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward newsletter.
2: This podcast is a part of the C Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit
0: C Suite